0: So I want to read some scripture for us. Instead of like last week, which was like a whole chapter, this is just four verses. <laughs> I know, right? It's like, I don't know what that means about my personality that we go from a chapter to four verses. But anyway, um, this is where God said, stop, just preach on that and you're good. So um, Hebrews 12, one through four. I know, right? Done? We're done. i just going to read it. <laughs> Hebrews 12, one through four. Therefore... This is building on last week's text, right, where it was chapter 11, talking about, no, here I go, right? Um, (laughs) Talking about this great cloud of witnesses that we have, all these like scoundrels and hoodlums that came before us that were people of faith because they just pursued, persisted, and continued to trust God, even though they died waiting, trying, hoping, longing for. Anyway, all right. So therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Wow. So many of you know um, a couple of things about me. You probably know quite a few things about me. Many of you know I used to race bicycles, and I don't really do that so much anymore. (laughs) And it shows, but it's all good. (laughs) And it's not just because you don't see me riding a bicycle, right? Anyway, one of the disciplines that I really specialized in and I loved an awful lot, and I still do enjoy it, is called cyclocross. Has anybody heard of cyclocross before? I know Kat has. And <laughs> <laughs> so it's like insanity on a bicycle. I mean, it is just the craziest thing in the whole wide world. So it happens in the fall and into the winter. And so by the time it really gets in the middle of the season, it's pouring down rain and it's all nasty and muddy. And you ride a bicycle, it looks like a road bike, right? So you're not riding like a mountain bike, you're riding like a little skinny, tired bike. With knobs, right? It's a little bit bigger than a road tire would be, but it's just a regular... It looks like a road bike. If you saw it, you'd just think, huh, it's got a bigger tire on it. That's kind of weird looking. And so really hard seat, drop handlebars, and so it's like full-on road bike looking deal, right? And so then you don't ride it mostly on the road, you ride it mostly in mud, and in dirt, and then they throw in some other really interesting obstacles, because it isn't easy just to, it's not hard enough just to have you on dirt and mud, but they also throw in obstacles like, 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 obstacles. (laughs) (laughs) Obstacles. (laughs) Obstacles. (laughs) It's got to be, it's kind of like icicles, right? (laughs) Bicycle, obstacle, anyway, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? So, so, okay. So, so it's like not just hard enough to ride a bicycle. It's like a road bike on a road, on on on, on the off the road. You guys got me all confused now. I'm all, I'll get back on track here in a second. They need to put in obstacles to make it harder, right? Yes. Yeah, so let me go here. All right. So they put a course up with tape, and so it's like this. Course that you have to ride through, and it is going through grass with tight, tight corners. So it's not just like you're riding a straight line for a while, but you get to ride in a straight line for a little while, then you have to turn 180 degrees and go the other direction. And they like they have that going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, and then suddenly they'll put like a, a, a obstacle. Got it right? That's like 18 inches tall. So you have to get off of your bike and run across it, and then get back on your bike right what's that well carrying your bike right and then that's that's kind of not that big of a deal because then every once in a while they'll throw in a big huge sand pit right and so then they you can't even ride your bike through it you got to get off your bike for like a good hundred yards and run with your bike like how stupid is that right and then that's not that bad either every once in a while they'll even throw in a hill right And it's all muddy, and there's like hundreds of people running up this hill, so it's all torn up and just crazy. And you've got to, right? You've got to, you could try and ride up it, but you're probably not going to make it very hard. You've got to, as fast as you can, jump off your bike, throw your bike on your shoulder, and run up the hill to the top of the hill. And so, I mean, we're talking like steep, long runs, 100 yards ish, kind of at times. What's that? Yeah, I know I should have. Oh my goodness. <laughs> What was the question, you did this? Yes. yeah, yeah, yeah it was it was absolutely I thought about throwing up a video of this, but it is it is by far the most difficult sport I've ever participated in in my life. I mean it's just it's nuts. they intentionally make the sport difficult and they limit how technology can influence the 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 ease of which you ride, so you can only have such so wide of a tire and it's like they're like it's it's, it's just, like, masochistic. It's like, let's just make this as hard on y'all as we possibly can. Anyway, we'll, re- we'll return to cyclocross in a minute, but it's, it's, it's fun. You should, try it. <laughs> you should try it sometime. But here's, here's the deal, is that, uh, is that we are all in a race. We're all in a race. Every one of you are in a race, and it's probably not that unlike cyclocross. <laughs> But the point of this race is not to measure ourselves against other racers. This is what you do in cyclocross. You're trying to win, or at least I was. In this race that we are in, we're not trying to win. We're not trying to win against other competitors. We're not competing with somebody. It's not a competition, this race that we're in. The point is not to beat others, but to finish. The race that we're in, we just want to finish it. And the struggle in this race... This is against ourselves. We're just struggling against ourselves of whether or not we're going to continue down this path that we started off on. It's one of the things in cyclocross, it's this funny thing. You start off and you're lined up and it's a mass start. So there can be like 100 riders taken off at one time. And you're like thinking this is this is insane, why am I doing this? This is the dumbest thing in the whole wide world. And then at some point it gets a little closer to the countdown and then you're getting all excited and you're like, okay, I think I can do this, I think I can do this, it's gonna be great. And then you ride for the first like five laps and you're like, this, this is stupid, I should just quit right now. And then somewhere along the way your brain checks out and, and then you get some endorphins going and then you're like, wow, this is incredible, this is so fun. This is. And then like another four laps later, you're like, this is stupid, why am I doing this? I should just quit right now, this is ridiculous. And then all of a sudden you see somebody off in front of you you could chase down and you're like, no, I think I can get them. Next thing you know, it's like you're near the finish line, and if you did well particularly, then you're like, oh my goodness, I can't wait to do that again. That was, inc- I just love that. And <laughs> same cycle every single time. <laughs> same, same, same cycle over and over and over again. And that's what it can be like in this race that we are in. There's times when we want to throw in the towel. We want to quit. We want to be like, it's just too hard. But then occasionally we find victories along the way, and we're like, no, this is good. I think I'm going to continue down this path. I'm going to continue to try. The race that we're talking about here, of course, is the race of faith. It's a life in faith. And the prize is eternal life with Christ Jesus. Well, remember though, and this is super important, that a life of faith is not a perfect life. It's just a life that perseveres that continues to trust the promises of God who is unseen. It's not doing it right all the time. It's just continuing to press forward. It's continuing to move ahead. It's continuing to want to follow Jesus. This race that we're participating in this you could also translate it a fight or a struggle can anybody relate to that like is following jesus sometimes a fight or a struggle is it just like hard well well it's 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 again like cyclocross where they go out and lay out the whole course that you're on with all these crazy chicanes and barricades and everything this mark this race that we are in has already been marked off it has a particular course maybe not with all the specifics but generally speaking, the course has been marked off already. The race has been laid out for us by Jesus. Jesus is laid out this way. He is the pioneer or author or founder or originator of this race slash fight slash struggle. And not only has He, and this is what I find to be as profound as anything, not only has He marked it off, but He has run it. And He's the first finisher. He's the author and he is the perfecter. So in other words, he doesn't just put out this crazy course and be like, okay, everybody go ahead. But rather he forges it out and he does it. He lives it. He marks it out and he, he follows it. And he finishes it. Jesus not only then lays out the course, he goes on the course and he runs it and he works it out and he shows us how it is to be run. He is our example. I want to back up just for a second because I want to clarify something in the text. Some of you, and I think that the text on the board, when it, set, when it comes to, in verse 2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, you will find at times translations that will insert our let us fix our eyes on jesus the author and perfecter of our faith and i think that is potentially misleading I think that sometimes people, when they read that, get into the, in their heads that, like, Jesus has given you a measure of faith, and he has authored it in you, and he is going to perfect it in you. And that sounds really good, right? And I think that there's some biblical truth to that. It's just that that's not what's being talked about here. What's being talked about here is actually quite simple. I've already really summed it up. Jesus has set out the course of A faith-led life. What does faith look like? He's authored and shown this way of faith for all of us. Again, we might have some specifics between each one of us that's different. As Somebody is a doctor and somebody else is a school teacher and somebody else works at the cafe every day and somebody else goes to school or whatever it is. We have some differences, but the course is the same for all of us. and It's been laid out. And Jesus shows us what this faith-led life is supposed to look like. He's set it out, he's run it, and not only has he run it, he has completed it. And now we can see what that faith-lived life looks like. We can see it by fixing our eyes on Jesus. Hmm. But the thing with all this is, is just like in a cyclocross race when they put some crazy barricades up and some obstacles in our way as we're riding bicycles. This life of faith comes with obstacles. It comes with hindrances. It comes with things that weigh us down and trip us up, making it hard to persevere on this way of faith that Jesus has laid out for us. Yeah. There are things, the text tells us, that weigh us down. Huh. There's all kinds of things we could probably talk about that weigh us down when it comes to running this race, following Jesus in his way of faith. There are all kinds of things, but one of them I want to talk about tonight is our past. Oh my goodness, our past can weigh us down like crazy. I forgot something, i got to go back here and get it, I'll be right back. This represents the past. Oh my goodness. Oh. Right? Let's get my cyclocross physique back here. All right, there we go. Yeah, I know, right? This backpack, it just represents my, my past. It's just, it's my past. There's things in here that if I try and came around, they just weigh me down. Like, like. Let's see what's in here. <clears throat> what's that? A cyclocross race? It's just, just stuff. Like, like rocks. <laughs> like just lots of rocks. But each one of these rocks represents something, right? This one. <laughs> could be can be experiences from our past like like somebody telling us our whole lives that we aren't going to amount to a hill of beans and we're no good that we are never going to be good enough a hill of beans it's not really worth that much that somebody that would speak curses into our lives Somebody that would tell us maybe that we can't do it. That we couldn't follow Jesus if we tried. Or that we just can't do anything worthwhile. And they can stick with us. We can hold on to them. We can start trying to pack them around and follow Jesus while we're ongoingly listening to people still speaking those same lies into our heads. Oh, you're not going to be any good. Oh, you can't go to college. Oh, you can't even get a decent grade. Oh, you really think that you could possibly amount to anything? Trying to follow Jesus when we're still living out of those experiences is difficult. It is so hard. Because constantly the enemy wants to show up when we fail and say, Oh yeah, you remember what your dad told you when you were young? You remember what your school teacher told you when you were young and told you that you can't do it? You're not good enough? You might as well drop out of school now because you're just a loser? You remember that? Yeah, they were right the whole time. And then we go into our backpacks and we pull out that rock and we look at it for a while. And we're like, yeah, they were right. I can't do it. I am no good. I can't follow Jesus. I can't do anything worthwhile. The enemy wants to get into our heads. He wants to destroy us. He wants us to try and pack around. And somebody should come up here at some point and try and pick that up with all these rocks in it. Because it's not light. He tried doing it with Jesus. Jesus wasn't he wasn't impervious to somebody trying to beat him down. If you remember Jesus being tempted in the desert, do you remember what Satan said to him? He said many things to him, but the thing in specific that I have in mind is when Satan said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, Tell those stones to become bread. If you are the son of God. Enemy was trying to get into his head and make him question who he was. The enemy always wants us to try and question who we are. He wants us to go back to those experiences in the past that beat us up and held us down and say, that is all you are. You're no good. We must take... These past experiences that beat us up and hold us back and weigh us down and cast them aside, cast them off. But it's hard, right? It is so stinking hard. I talk with people who are in their 80s and they're still trying to deal with stuff that happened to them when they were 10 years old, 12 years old, 14 years old. Their earliest memories, they're still struggling to cope with them, to deal with them, to cast them off. It is not easy. Part of the problem is that we kind of have a tendency to get our identities, understandably, to some point, all wrapped up in them. I mean, there are some experiences that we have that, in part, they're not entirely bad. And so we're like, okay, well, that's who I am. Yeah, okay, well, well I like this rock. I, I don't want to get, this is who I am, right? I've come to embrace this is really who I am and I found some peace in this rock, I don't want to give up that rock, because I don't know if I'll know who I am if I give up that rock. Right? Our identities get wrapped up in these past experiences that we have. That means that laying these things aside is tough, because it means that, and maybe some of you can get, connect with this, but you're going to risk not knowing who you are for a while. Like somebody leaving a life of substance abuse, there's a time that they're not going to know who they are for a while because for the last how many years, that's where it's been. It's what they've done with their life, what they've done with their time. And it's scary because if I'm not an addict, who am I? When our identity is all wrapped up in past pain, laying our our past aside, those burdens aside, those weights aside, means that we we must be willing to risk discovering. Maybe it's rediscovering, but maybe it's just discovering for the first time who we are. You have to risk that. You have to risk thinking that maybe you'll like who you find yourself to be. Or maybe you'll risk thinking maybe you won't like who you are. But, absolutely. But there's an even greater risk in not laying your past aside. That greater risk is never in knowing who you truly are. Laying them aside is also tough because it means forgiving Means forgiving others. Like, if this rock was to represent something my high school counselor told me, some of you know that story. It's a real story. But if this rock represents that, that weighed me down for a long time. In order for me to lay this rock aside, I've got to forgive that person. I have to. Because that might be the only reason I'm keeping it around is that I want to be able to lord it over him or excuse my behavior or excuse something from my life. I want to be like, well, no, it's their fault that I'm struggling to pack this rock around and I'm having a hard time surrendering to Jesus. It's their fault. They owe me something. If I'm going to get rid of this rock, it means that I'm going to get rid of that. It means that I'm not going to hold them accountable for my actions any longer that I'm going to say, I do forgive them. They don't owe me anything. And it's crazy talk anyway when we don't do that because that person can't do anything to make up for that. I'm the one packing the stupid rock around, right? He doesn't even have a clue. Probably doesn't even remember. So I have to forgive. And that's hard. It's hard. It's tremendously hard to forgive. There's all kinds of risk in that too, right? Because then all of a sudden now I have to take responsibility my own actions. Not doing this, though, not figuring out what those big stupid rocks are that we're packing around that weigh us down, not figuring out what those are, means that we are constantly going to be led to make bad decisions based on those rocks. Based on packing that stuff around. I can't imagine I mean, I don't know what this weighs, but I'm like going back to the cyclocross thing. I, can just ima- I can't even really imagine trying to race my bicycle with that box of, bag of rocks on my back. I can't imagine trying to follow Jesus and run this race that he's laid out for us, packing around the equivalent of those rocks, not offering forgiveness and not casting them off and casting them aside. I can't even begin to imagine what that's like in some ways. The Apostle Paul, writing in Philippians, says this, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, it being the prize, but the one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward, in Christ Jesus we cannot run the race of faith if we are living in the past it does not mean we don't go back and process and find some healness some healing and some wholeness through our pain but in our past but we can't live in the past faith is ever before us faith is leading you into tomorrow and not back to yesterday you're a new Creation in Christ. So there are these things that weigh us down. And there are also things that trip us up. Sin that so easily entangles. U-peristatos per- is the Greek word if you're interested in that. U-peristatos. U is easily Peritostos entangles or encircles or trips us up or holds us back. And it's sin that does that. And it doesn't just do that. It easily does that. It easily, it easily trips us up. It easily encircles us. It easily binds us up and ties us up. This is the equivalent of trying to run a race with your feet all wrapped up and bound up with cords. All right? We didn't run very fast or very far. Have you ever had that dream? Everybody's had that dream, right? When you're being chased, but you can't get anywhere. You're trying as hard as you can to run as fast as you can. You just can't get away. You can't go. You're just like, does anybody, am I crazy? Is there anybody that's not had that dream? I really want to know. Wow, you people are, there's like four people though, right? What's that? Not in 20 years, but we've had it, right? That's what happens in this situation is we can't run. We want to go, but we can't run. We're stuck. We're all twisted up only here. We know why we can't run. We can't run because we're held back by sin. The word for sin here is that archery term. Does anybody remember what it is? Hamartia. It's the term that means missing the mark. You tried to hit something, but you just failed. And it includes sin of Omission and commission, it includes things that we should have done and didn't do, and it includes things that we did do but shouldn't have done. Hamartia most often has to do with missing the mark due to self-reliance. You're just relying on yourself. We sin or miss the mark because we try to run the race without stopping to ask for directions. We just drive around aimlessly because not in the days of GPS, you don't quite have that so bad anymore, right? We're self-relying. It's like pride. It's like, no, I don't want to listen to you telling me where I should go or how to get there. I know just fine by myself. I know how to live this life. We rely on ourselves instead of relying on God. When we lean on our own understanding and do what we feel is right without consulting Jesus, we end up with problems, major problems. I'm going to return to Cycle Across for just a second. So in cyclocross, it's really, really great if you can go out and pre-ride the course. Because, again, this course is narrow, and it, there's tape on all sides, right? All these chicanes and switchbacks, and everything is funneling you in a direction, and there's like, it's kind of like caution tape, only it says usually Shimano or something on it instead. Yeah, yeah, you can go and pre-ride it, and you can get an idea where the course goes, and it's really beneficial to do that, right? But sometimes you don't have time. and On this particular occasion, Kat and I make it to this race, and we're just there in time, and I line up, and I've had a little bit of time to warm up, but I really have no clue what the course is laid out like. No clue whatsoever, and my goodness, I'm like, and the whole shot is so important in cyclocross. It's against this mass start thing, and everybody takes off, and you go as fast as you can, and I overshoot. I get the whole shot, but I'm like, totally overshoot the first corner. And I'm trying to make it my left turn into this first corner, and I can't, and I end up in the course tape. And the course tape is wrapped around my bicycle handlebars, it's wrapped around my legs. I'm like just trying to tear all this course tape off, and I'm just totally wrapped up in it. And I go from like first hole shot to last place. Yeah, I know, not too bad. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens. In our lives, when we don't stop to consult God and how He calls us to run this race, how He calls us to live this life, we might get the whole shot. It might like be awesome at the start, but next thing you know, because we haven't asked God what the course even looks like, find ourselves all wrapped up and tangled and having a hard time getting out. We go from like, first to last in a heartbeat. Camartia entangles taking the lead ourselves without asking god where we should go gets us all bound up there are consequences to our actions you ever start down the wrong path and find it difficult to get free you ever make like one decision in your life and you're like oh no That new car was really cool for like three days. And then the payment book came. Oh, sugar, honey, iced tea. Right? Or maybe it's not as big as a car or a house. Maybe it's just... Maybe, right? Uh, There you go. Without consulting. Yeah. And then what do you do? Absolutely. Absolutely. Saying yes to some things means saying no to other things. I don't think we think about that enough. I don't think we stop to consider the fact that when we say yes to one thing or something or some things, we are saying no to other things. Sometimes the yeses that we say to some things bring about a long-term no in other situations. Right? When we say yes to our desires, it can be no to God's desires. I'm sure that we all have decisions also that if we look back on them, we wish that we would have taken more time. We wish we would have consulted God. We wish maybe we would have fixed our eyes on Jesus a little longer. Or earlier. (laughs) Before we thought we could just make the whole shot. Because I certainly felt that way in that race. Should have taken it a little easier in turn one. It took me ten minutes to get untangled. (laughs) Oh no, everybody was there to see it. (laughs) Everybody rode by me. Oh, good job, Beckley. 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 As my, no joke, my teammates are standing alongside the... The, the, the course because there's different divisions and they're like laughing at me and like not offering me help or like a, I don't know if they would have wanted it anyway right teammate comes walking up with a jackknife or something to cut me loose oh I'm good <laughs> <laughs> there's so many literal examples that we can look to when it comes to bad decision making and not taking the time to fix our eyes on Jesus pursuing just Self-satisfaction. Thinking that everything that's out there that's good, God must want for me on my terms and deciding exactly what it is that's good to begin with. Drugs, money, stuff, sex. I would say rock and roll, but I like rock and roll. When we do this, the next thing we discover, though, is there's just not life in those things. We We think even when it comes to our life of faith with Jesus, We think sometimes that we know the way of faith without staring at the cross, without staring at Jesus, because that's the way of faith, right? This is the race that he's marked off for us already. We have a tendency to think that our faith should free us from pain and allow us to avoid suffering and avoid sacrifice and avoid those doggone sinners. It's the opposite, right? That's crazy. That's the way of the enemy. Oh, no, you don't suffer and die. Who said that to Jesus? Peter. And what does Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. Right? It's like, no, no, that's not the way you run this course. That's not the course I'm laying out before you. That one includes suffering. It includes sacrifice. And it includes engaging sinners. That other way is the way of the enemy, not the way of faith. It feels impossible sometimes, right? We see the way of Jesus, and it feels sometimes impossible. It's like, are you kidding me? Can we possibly even do this? It's not impossible. It's not impossible to get free even when we get ourselves all wrapped up in the course tape because we took off too fast. Jesus is our liberator. It's not impossible to get rid of past burdens, it's not impossible to lay them aside. It's going to take some work, but it's not impossible. As a matter of fact, here we are commanded to cast off the weight and the sin that entangles us. God doesn't command us to do things that we are not capable of. He doesn't say concerning that backpack full of stuff that we're packing around weighing us down, oh yeah, go ahead and take that off and then find out we can't. No, he makes a way. He helps us to do that. We just need to learn to give God a chance, to give Jesus a chance. We run this race, ultimately, by fixing our eyes on Jesus. We must remember that we cannot be self-reliant. But we have to look at Jesus and ask the questions: where should I run? Or maybe even better yet, how should I run? We must rely on Jesus because the race of faith, as we've already talked about to some degree and Esther was building on us it's just so illogical it doesn't seem right at least not to our old minds and our old way of thinking our carnal pre-jesus way of thinking it seems so upside down to find life when you give your life up in order to persevere in faith we have to be prepared for the things that will come on our faithful journey. Just listen briefly to the, how Jesus' race went. It's described in three words in the text I read earlier. The cross, scorn, and shame. But what's even more profound is that that's where joy was found. Huh. seems totally crazy, doesn't it? Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It was joy because he knew the prize that was on the other side. So oftentimes we miss the good life of faith because we live by sight, by our own sight, instead of relying on God. We think we know better. We end up off course and looking for love and joy and peace in all the wrong places and in all the wrong ways. And we just end up being weighed down with baggage and tripped up and entangled in sin. Brothers and sisters, we just have to learn to trust God. We need to learn to fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to trust That we will find our lives when we surrender it to Him. Maybe, maybe, maybe you have a backpack full of rocks that you're trying to run this race with. Who, maybe, do you need to work on forgiving? How? What process maybe do you need to go through in order to take some of those rocks out and lay them aside so that we can continue to persevere on this way that Jesus has set before us? The rock, right? (laughs) Yeah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I know that there are people in this room right now that have awfully big rocks in their backpack, that are weighing them down, that are keeping them down, voices in their heads that they don't want anymore. So Heavenly Father, I would just pray right now, as you are a great liberator, that you would liberate us from those burdens that you would give us the strength to cast them off, that you would help us to go through whatever process we need to go through in order to find our burdens lightened. Thank you, Father, for you send Jesus who comes to us and says, come to me, you who are heavy and burdened and laden down with great weights, that we will find rest in you. So let us draw near to you, Jesus. Let us draw near to you, fixing our eyes on you, sitting at your feet, handing you our burdens. Help us to forgive. Help us to let go. Help us to not live in the past. Help us to forge ahead. We need this, Jesus. We need to find life. We need to find hope in places where it can really be found. And our minds are so messed up so oftentimes we don't even know how to go about that. We don't know where to find it. Help us, Jesus, to trust you. Help us to forge right behind you blaze a path right on your heels that your dust might land on our feet. We love you. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you, Jesus, that you have come that we might see what a faith-filled life looks like.